The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. It's the Shaken and Stirred Show! Uh, I'm Nigel Barker in New York and I'm with my wacky co-host Tom Astor in Oxford, England. Tom, you're in a rather jolly mood today. I'm not told. I was told because you've rang me up before the podcast and told me to be a bit less rude. Well, you so know, I'm after trying- our last I- guest basically said to you, said that you were a curmudgeon. And, and then, no, I'm oh, oh, and, th- and oh, then said, oh. after saying you were a curmudgeon, has now asked you to come on her podcast. Thank so she obviously likes a curmudgeon. She was flirting with me because she runs dating. She, she knows a good date when she sees one. She's put enough of them together. Yeah, you're anyway, more, you're more like a prune than a date. But anyway, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yes, it, very well. Yes, like you know, usual. What, less late at night here, actually, because the clocks have changed. So luckily, I'm on time. I lucky. have been out moments when we've got it a bit wrong, and I've been slipping into a nice hot bath, and you've run me saying, "Where are you?" But that luckily, frankly, isn't happening. Although I do um, quite I, like it when you are sort of lying in the bath doing the podcast. Like, you know, we've done one from the bed, one from the bath. I mean, that would be brilliant. Next one's from the bath night. Depends actually who's, who is, who am I podcasting? Ah, it depends who you're podcasting. That in itself is Who are we podcasting? Who are we podcasting? Let me podcast you. Um, it, that sounds so weird and aggressive. It does sound rather odd. We, we, I'm not sure we're podcasting anyway. We can't give away our guests just yet, Tom. You know, that's not how we do it here. What are you drinking, old boy? You know, nice. I've just had, I've got, it's half term here. I've got my 12 year old. It's just him and I. He's been out killing rabbits, shooting okay. rabbits. All those, to all those vegan listeners out there. Um, He's been learning how to shoot and skin rabbits. Am I allowed to even say that? No, no. It, is what it is what it is. Whether you like it or not. I don't eat meat, but, I, you know, but I'm listening to you. It is what it is. Anyway, he walked in earlier with a rabbit's tail, which is disgusting. Anyway, he's been learning how to skin rabbits and then to the pot and make them to the pot. So we kill, we eat what we kill. Let's just get that straight. That's good. And, um, and then I was just happened to be, while he was out doing that, I was with, with this young guy who does all my vermin control on the farm. Um, I was cooked up a steak and I just, there isn't to me anything that goes better with a steak than a really good bottle of claret. So tonight we're not reaching for the first aid, whatever they are, those little cocktail funky things that I've been using recently. I'm not going to be mixing anything clever up because it's already been done by a very clever person in France. And I am drinking, well, actually, <laughs> actually sorry, I've drunk. No, I've still got some left. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Haute Bataille, 2003. Um, mm. You know, it, there's, I, as I said, there isn't anything that doesn't go down, uh, you know, doesn't suit a steak better. So I paired my drink to my food tonight and... That is why I thought if I then mixed the cocktail up on top of that, it would all go horribly wrong. So that that's where I am. How about you? Well, I decided once, as, as usual, to do something perhaps uh, a little on the nose. Uh, and I, I looked up um, my cocktails to, to find something a little different. And I come up with something which apparently is called the new listing lemon drop. And um, how do I get to find something like the new listing um, lemon drop? I looked up um, real estate cocktails, cocktails for real estate agents or realtors, as they call them over here. And um, this one was one of the ones that popped up that I actually had the ingredients. It's vodka, triple sec, sugar, lemon juice. And you can put a cherry on top, although I didn't have any cherries. And I'm actually not very fond of maraschino cherries, so I decided not to go with it anyway. Simply mix the, the vodka, triple sec, sugar, and lemon juice in a cocktail shaker over ice uh, until the sugar kind of blends down. I poured it with a strainer into a martini glass, and um, and voila, and here it is. And it, it's a kind of little giveaway of our guest today. Cheers, mate. Probably chin lethal. Chin-chin. Chin but chin. I haven't drunk a bottle of wine, so. I haven't actually drunk a bottle. Look, isn't that? Yeah, actually, that's really good. That's really yummy. Yeah, I'm fond of of lemon. Um, so anything like that, that's lemon drop, lemon. 
That sounds quite sweet, what you're drinking. It is a little sweet with the sugar, but but it's but the lemon cuts it. So it's quite nice actually. It's kind of it does taste like a lemon drop, one of those sweets. Remember those sweet lemon drop sweets that we used to have when we were kids? Well, yeah, absolutely. I love them with the middle with a bit of sherbet bit yeah, milk. That's what it tastes oh. like. It has that sh oh. sherbet flavour to it. So it's actually Is that what is that what an an estate agent, a real tour tastes like? I mean, what the hell? What, why? Is... I have no idea. I think it was just an idea of putting the word "the new listing" in front of a lemon drop, and that was about it, basically. <laughs> new listing. New yeah. listing. That was so, it. That was it. Just that was it, Tommy boy. I'm glad you're on the ball today. Now, and if if anyone of our of our of our um our diehard fans out there have been listening to every single podcast we've ever done. Never missed a, you know, those ones who people who have never missed any of them, of which there are many. You'll remember that we once had during the early days a, a certain Ryan Serhant on this program, didn't we? Who was um, absolutely. We managed to. I, for some reason, we ended up singing that song. Do you want to sing? Go for it. You started off, and I'll <laughs> carry on. Actually, do you know what? No, unless, if anyone was to hear what we sang to Ryan Serhant, which took him completely by surprise and really was quite a bizarre thing to do, looking back on it, um, you'll have to go back and listen to our old podcast. Booze News is, in fact, that former MI6 spy shares her secret of living to 110. And yes, what is her secret to living to 110? Lots of red wine, by all accounts. Now... Reaching 110 is no easy feat, people. There are very, very few people in the world who can say they're 110. Eileen Ash is one of them. Um, she's an English lady. She has, uh, her, her career, her life has been quite extraordinary. Not just has she been an MI6 spy, uh, but she also played for England on the cricket team in the 1930s and 40s. She was an avid golfer. And check this out. She learned to drive when she was 98. I mean, I don't even think that would be even legal, to be honest with you. Um, but she celebrates her birthday and uh, she's from Norwich in England and she had a big birthday party. She got a, another letter from the Queen. I guess you get one when you're 100, but then you get one every year after. Because quite frankly, if you're still alive after 100, you deserve to have at least a letter from the Queen. So congratulations. And she's doing very well. She's very smiley, giggly. She had a big party with lots of her favorite red wine there. And um, I just thought that that is really something worth celebrating. Booze news today. Here's to Eileen Ash. Long life and plenty Eileen. of red wine. Cheers, well, Eileen. Uh, yeah. Come on, friend. Eileen. You know what? Yeah, I'm I'm you know what? I mean, that's appropriate then. I'm drinking glass of red wine. It is. See you when we're 100, mate. Don't if you carry on drinking that lemon drop stuff. Doesn't sound very healthy. <laughs> now Me? we have a, a rather wonderful guest today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I've had first-hand experience with therapy, and I like to treat it like a safe place to explore my thoughts, feelings, and concerns. You know, we see the doctor and go to the gym to take care of our bodies, to prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly to avoid a messy house. Going to therapy is just like that. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else? and not your mind. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Shaken and Stirred listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash stirred. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash S-T-I-R-R-E-D. Our guest this week is a mother, entrepreneur, real estate agent, and author. She can currently be seen on the 13th season of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing LA and is the first and only female cast member. Her new book, Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word, spent weeks on the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. Please welcome Tracy Tudor. Tracy, how are you? Cheers, guys. How are you? Very well Cheers. indeed. 
Looks like you're drinking a lot of the nice glass of white wine. What is that? This is actually a wine we just launched called Unsweet. It is a zero sugar Pinot Grigio, and we're really excited about it. I heard about this Unsweet. Did so you? Tell us, yes, tell us, but not through you. I didn't see it on you on with your. I saw someone else talking about it. And I read about it, and I was looking. Who else is who else is a part of the team? So uh, my partners are Malin Eklund and Lisa Agerman, and they're European. Um, and they started this in Sweden. And so they came to me and they sat me down and they said, we want to do something like this. And essentially, this was the catchphrase that got me, of course, because I'm, I'm tacky like that. But they said, it's like the Diet Coke of wines. And I'm like, that's fantastic. So I thought it was a brilliant concept. And it's come to fruition and we're about to launch. We did a soft launch in California and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we're about to launch nationwide. So it's a direct to consumer brand at the moment. And it's, it's fantastic. There's a white wine, uh, a Cabernet and a Cava that's coming. And it's, how a it... it's non fattening wine. I mean, it doesn't get any better for me. I want to drink a glass of wine, like, well, you know, in a podcast with you guys at 2.13 in the middle of my workday. Absolutely. Good for you. And, and But what does it mean when you say unsweet or whatever? It, it's not exactly, it's just, it has it's just low sugar. What is the calorific content? You it's know. literally considered a zero sugar wine. So what they do in the fermentation process is they take out, you know, all of the sugar and there's no need to put it back in. And so often with our wines and what I've learned through being a part of this company is that they do add a lot of sugar additives, chemicals back into these wines, even food coloring that you would never imagine. And some of our you know, top wineries and even Napa are, are doing these types of things because no one has ever really truly paid attention to the wine industry um, as a whole. It's just been one of those things that's sort of been off off topic. So people are now coming forward and they're wanting their wines to be organic, which is, has been around for a bit, but more importantly, um, no one has really considered the amount of sugar in wine. And in the United States, you don't have to put your sugar content or any labels on your wine whatsoever. So you couldn't possibly know what's in it. Whereas in Europe, you actually will see nutritional content. Right. No, hundred percent. It's actually funny because, you know, wine, like you mentioned, has been off limits in, in in many respects for a lot of things because it is it is it is steeped in history right it's right. steeped in this sort of tradition and you know you know where it's specifically made on what what side of the mountain on, on what, you know how big the you know the, the the certain types of grape there's just so much to do with wine that the terrar all these different things well and you don't want to screw with it because you're no. like wine it's like sophisticated and there's fancy people making it but the truth is everybody likes to drink wine and enjoy it and we need to make it accessible but we also need to know what we're putting in our bodies I, I like it. I like it. I'm going to try some. I've got to be on your list. I will list. send you some. Please send me some and I will I'll try and myself and we'll have a little taste test of our own. Let's get into everything else that you're doing because you, you're, you're busy. You've got a lot going on. It's just thank you for, for carving out some time in the middle of your day for us and everyone at Shaken and Stirred. You know, we've had a, a few people from Million Dollar Listing. Do you, I mean, Ryan Serhant back in the day, um, was one of our first guests and he's a friend of mine um, have, you, have you you know him well you've hung out with him i guess um i wouldn't say socially so much i love his wife i have spent a little bit of time with ryan just doing some you know cross promotion for both of our shows um and he's been to la a few times just for business great guy wonderful beautiful family and um you know obviously really successful i have nothing nothing bad to say about him yeah, are, you, are, you more, are you more successful than he is? No, that, that would be a tough thing to do. He's got something like 500 agents at this point. Bless his heart. Good for him. Not my MO. I want to land on a beach in St. Bart somewhere with sugar-free wine, you know? I, you. I mean, you let him come over to LA. I mean, can't you, what's wrong with the East Coast? Like, seriously. Look, I'd like to keep everybody in their lane, but you know what? Everybody has egos and they want to expand into new territory. And so, you know... There it is. There you have it. Then you have like dust up with him. I mean, isn't there a kind of like, really? You're like literally, isn't there a <laughs> They're like a territory thing? 
Well, I'm, we had that a little bit with Frederick Eklund, who came over from the New York show to L.A. And, you know, I think he's gotten used to it and he's sorting himself out. But, you know, it's hard to come into this business, particularly in L.A. It's a small town. Ten percent of us do are doing 90 percent of the business. So if you rub people the wrong way, we'll cut you. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he's, I guess you're right. He's on both shows, right? So he, that's a, a new thing and something that he seems to be doing pretty well out of both by, you know, I, I see him everywhere. Frederick. Yeah, well, he, he had wrapped uh, New York and then came and shot with us. So he was never doing, I don't think, both shows at the same time. Maybe perhaps there was a little crossover, but he's been able to navigate it. He's, he's a busy guy too. This is your fault, right? I'm sorry that you went cut to you, sorry. Of the dog incidents at the beginning of the show, I'm getting. <laughs> I actually, I may be thousands of miles away, but definitely, I'm getting a little uptight over here. Did Ryan go back with his te proverbial tail between his legs, and his legs crossed? I don't think so. I think Ryan's pretty well respected in Los Angeles, and just as a broker, you know, he's done a lot for our industry, and and you know, brought a lot of people to our industry, and um, you know, I I celebrate that. Like, I'm not competitive in that nature. I'm out to sort of beat myself, not anyone else. You know, he's a, yeah, he's a great guy. We we actually both work out at the same gym in New York City called the Dog Pound. Oh, uh, stop it! That's where I met my boyfriend. So, funnily enough, I'm one of the founders and one of the owners of the Dog Pound. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, no that's how so do you know my boyfriend? Uh, he used to train in New York. His name is Eric Anderson. Yes, of course I know Eric. Well, there you have it. We have more in wow. common than we thought. Small world. And he yeah. knows me as well. So that's so funny. How, how funny is that? No, I know. He's, he's like in the other uh, room. I should tell him I'm uh, where. Yeah, you should come in over and say hello. Uh, You're more than welcome. Dogs, dogs. Cussing and still can you get away know, from dog pounds, dog balls off. This is like you know, we should have named a cocktail after this called the the ballless dog or something. I don't Just know. Literally. I know That's what's actually going. creative. The ballless dog. Oh, right. God. what's in that cocktail? Ball balls for, for <laughs> starters. <laughs> um, you know, and let's just start there, shall we? You, you, you make it. I mean, I worked on reality television myself, as you probably know, for years. I was one of the hosts and got, uh, on America's Next Top Model for 18 years. Yes, I was a huge fan of that show. I haven't seen it in the recent years, but no. certainly when you were back and doing it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I understand this world to some extent. It's different, obviously, what my role was and what my show was. But, you know, what, what I always wanted to know is, and I've always been curious, and I think I'm sure I asked Ryan the same thing, because, you know, Ryan's life is very public and has yours, yours has been as well on the show. You know, you've gone through divorce and ups and downs, your boyfriends, all this sort of thing. And it becomes very public domain. Did you know that when you signed up for it? And do you like it? Well, you know, it's funny. I remember the whole like reality world like came into fruition years and years ago. But remember, like, I don't know if you were offered stuff or, you know, had stuff put in front of you back in the day when it just was like an absolute no, no. Like you were like, this is going to crush my business. So by the time I was invited to do it for million dollar listing, I was 40 years old you know, I'd been in the business for like 17 years. My kids were a little bit older. I, I was like, if I'm not going to do it now, I'm, gonna, I'm not ever going to do it. And candidly, it skyrocketed most of the guys on the show's careers. You know, Josh Altman, you know, started in, he was like a talent agent and they had, a, he had a, he was like maybe two years in the business by the time he started the show. And and now he's sold $1 billion in real estate in 2021. I mean, that's a, a huge feat. So I figured it could help my business. You know, I'm a female in a pretty dominated male industry. And I figured I better get myself out there. And candidly, we, need, we needed a woman on this show. To have an all-male dominated real estate show is like kind of ass backwards. Well, here, here. And, and actually, funny that you should say that because I, I've often thought like in a way for a show especially on bravo that it seemed to be rather extraordinary that it, you that you were the first right and that the first female cast member and it's high time and, and and actually you know any house that i've ever bought has actually always been from a female realtor i've never actually bought one from a man, man before so the if the industry doesn't is it is it you said the industry is dominated by men but is it completely no, it's actually dominated by women. 60% of the brokers, more or less, are females. But when you start to look at the top tier and like the corporate 
environment of real estate run by men entirely. And I went, ended up going to an agency called Douglas Elliman. It was, you know, a huge uh, broker in New York and they had come to LA about seven years ago. And it was at the time, the president of the company was a woman and the woman who ran new development who does all the big high rises and her name is Susan DeFranza. And she used to work at Related. She was at the forefront of a majority of the vertical like living industry. So I was like, there's two females at the forefront of this company, along with Howard Lorber. I want to be here because I had been in a boys club and granted, I was like the sidekick, you know, because I have a lot of masculine energy, but it's, it's never one of them. And so it was time. And um, I'm really happy that I made that move. And, and then of course, that's when I did the show. So it's, it's been um, a really positive experience and it opened up doors and now it's like I'm mentoring females and I wrote a book about, you know, gaining confidence as a female entrepreneur and how to walk into rooms and sort of understand how to navigate male egos. It's been a, it's been a ride as far as my privacy goes. Yeah. I mean, I lost some of it, but I'm sort of an extrovert anyways. I have nothing to hide. Well, there you go. I mean, that's can, I ask, can I ask you, you just said 60% of brokers are women. Yeah. What said so out of kind of when you broke what's the percentage of deals done between men, women, and couples? Is it the deals you're doing at this at, at the high end of stuff? Is it what's the percentage of is it is it mostly men you're you're selling no. to? Is um, it, I, I would say I deal in the high end with more men than I do women, but that's not to say in my industry, specifically Los Angeles, I would say the top 20 agents, four of the top 10 are probably women. There are three of the top 10 and they do bananas business, but uh, it's still, it's like any other industry. Um, the women that are doing really, really well are absolute rock stars. But if you if you take, you know, a poll of who's really doing most of the business and, and try to average it, you know, most of my deals are done with my male counterparts. You mentioned just now too, uh, you know, obviously walking into a room and having to deal with male egos. Um, you know, what, what is your sort of big takeaway there? What, what, what are you trying to let people know? I mean, I, I imagine this is in your book, right? Fear yeah. is just a four-letter word. I mean, this is part of it. It's, it's a sort of a workbook, I'm assuming, where you people can learn from it and kind of pick Yeah, up. it's a little bit of a step-by-step, -step, but also a lot to do with my experiences and, and you know, sort of growing up in the business and, and failure, really, and how to recover from it. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't become like an overnight success, obviously. I've been doing this 22 years and it's taken me a long time to fight for my position in this business. And whether that's because I'm a female with a strong personality or a mother of two or a divorcee who can't manage her business and get divorced at the same time or whatever the, the traditional ideologies are that we've all lived with, um, that sort of fell on me. And I felt like it was time for me to write a book about my experiences, how I sort of recovered from that and got to the other side. And it didn't come without risk and it didn't come without, you know, failure. So I talk a lot about recovering from that, but most importantly, it's about confidence. And I think that doesn't necessarily have to be something that happens to a woman when she enters her forties. You know, I didn't have someone when I was 22 years old to look up to that was like a little bit out of the box, you know, it was like, we have Susie Ormond to tell us how to be financially responsible, but she's not exactly edgy or you don't feel like, like she's someone you'd get a cocktail with in a podcast. Right. So I kind of wanted to be that, that woman for young women where they had somebody to look up to that was, that thought a little bit more outside of the box, but was, you know, could go toe to toe with any Forbes 500 guy in a room any day of the week. And, um, I think it resonated with a lot of young women that I wasn't expecting it to in the midst of a pandemic. Well, that's a, it's a, <laughs> I like that reference toe to toe. Um, but, you know, <laughs> and absolutely why not? And you've certainly got the confidence, but where does that confidence come from? Where did it originally come from? Cause clearly it isn't easy to get to the top of any, any business really, but certainly as a woman, and we've had lots of women on the show who have talked about similar 
instances in different industries and in different businesses, whether it's even being a comic or being, a, you know, a, a doctor of some sort or being an expert, an author, whatever it is, it's, 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 it's always tougher, it seems for women. There's no doubt about it. We hear this over and over again. Um, you know, in your industry, obviously, when you're out there selling, you know, incredibly expensive property, uh, potentially to people, what was, where did you, you know, how did you learn to pick yourself up, I guess, is, 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 and, and then get confidence from that moment when you were perhaps in defeat? Well, I think it, it all starts with what we were sort of originally and traditionally taught as women to sort of be meek and quiet and listen. And the men go out and hunt and gather and we stay home and nurture. And these days, that's obviously not what's happening. But how do we transition out of understanding what the narrative has been for the last, you know, 100 years plus to, to where we all are today. And I think that shift is happening. Um, but I think it's, you know, I grew up with a really sort of rough dad who is a contractor by nature. He was an Armenian, um, you know, came here, or my, my grandparents came here as um, immigrants off the boat and had my dad. And so he grew up in America and really was a tough kid. And so I grew up around that on job sites. So I always kind of had a little bit of a gruff side and some grit, but I used to think that I had to be really tough and I had to be like a man in order to be respected. You know, the idea of dressing down in a meeting, making sure that you're too, you know, professional, don't wear too much makeup, but make sure you wear just enough. Don't paint your nails a particular color and make sure you don't wear a heel that's too high. Wear a men's suit, but not too tailored because then it will appear tight. It's like all this bullshit um, was kind of getting in the way of things. And so what I've discovered that is more interesting and I think what men respond to more is sort of embracing the feminine femininity about myself and allowing myself to be sexy and smart at the same time. And I think that's, that in and of itself is sort of proving it, it, it wrong, right? By being in the room and wearing what makes me feel good and powerful, not what the expectation of the men that I'm sitting across from is, but also being able to speak intelligently and communicate um, what I'm trying to get across and can make a connection because that ultimately is what makes us able to sort of interact with one another and wanna trust each other enough to spend money. Yeah, no, for sure. And interestingly enough, I think too, that sort of approach, men are so obvious half the time that, you know, if you are, if you just, if you dress the way you want to dress versus the way perhaps society says you should dress to fit in, you're going to actually disarm people before they even get going. They're going to, because they're going to be thinking about something else like, oh, look at the, her dress or her outfit or her hair is done this way, or she's got bright, you know, nail varnish on, or she maybe she's not going to be serious, but then you knock them down with the fact that you're smarter than they are, you know, sort of better read than they are, uh, more knowledgeable than they are, uh, and all the rest of it and has nothing to do with the fact of the facade. You know, do, you have kids, you mentioned, how, how old are your kids? Uh, my daughter, Juliet, is like 15 and a half. Uh, she'll be 16 in January and Scarlett's 13. How do they react to mum being such a sort of power mum? And are they obviously clearly proud, but I mean, and I imagine they, hard being a single mum too, but. They're kind of like little mini feminists in the making. Um, you know, my daughters are, are headstrong, but respectful. Um, you know, I've sort of not been that helicopter parent, sometimes to my detriment, but for the most part, I've allowed them to fail along the way, make mistakes while they're under my roof. So now it's like, I've got a 15 year old who has the soul of like an old soul of like a 60 year old woman, um, but operating in this little sort of 15 year old feminist body that wants to challenge the status quo. So I think she actually appreciates it. And more so, I think because of COVID and them being home and me doing so much of this. And there was, I was promoting my book at the time. So there was a lot of dynamics and a lot of podcasts and things that we were talking about that they'd be like studying right there listening and it was powerful for them and so it's been a blessing i think you know i'm very proud of my girls amazing no for sure I, i've got a, a daughter who's 12 years old going on 13 and going to be well more like going on 21 to be honest but <laughs> she will be 13 in a moment um 
and it, it is a sort of a, a way, a, a bright new world for them, I think, just be, and for her specifically. And my, I have a son who's 15 as well. My daughter, you know, I took her to the Girl Up Foundation um, Gala in Los Angeles um, two years ago when we, when we could travel. Um, and, you know, it was amazing for her to be around all these incredible women uh, who were, you know, obviously speaking up for gender equality and what have you and, and making a difference. And someone like yourself, I see as a sort of a champion of that, you know, motion on television too. You're, 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 out, you're not just, you're doing it in the, in the background, you're out there living it for people to see, uh, you know, and clearly writing books about it as well. I mean, what are you really hoping people are going to get out of out of your book? I mean, other than, you know, just hearing your life story and your, you mentioned learning perhaps to be more confident, but is that the the, the main hope for people to, to, to get from your book? I mean, the truth is, I don't think any woman in her 20s has a real uh, authentic sense of confidence. I think, you know, it was like what I used to do, you know, fake it until you make it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the authenticity piece is, is crucial. So I talk a lot about sort of finding like, finding yourself a little bit and sort of asking yourself, you know, a lot of questions. Um, and then really like really doing the work, because in my opinion, it, it's practice. You know, we don't wake up and create a habit by like, you know, reading a book and then putting it down and going, wow, great book took a couple of really great tips away from it. It's like, you have to put it in to your daily life. So I talk a lot about sort of recreating moments and, and certain things and steps you can take to become more confident, starting with raising your hand and in certain business meetings in front of a crowd of a hundred, if you're more of an introvert, like it just is a step-by-step -step process um, and you're gonna fail. And then it's become, so how do I pick myself back up and get up again and do it? Well, I have steps for that too, you know? Um, but it is, it is a process and I think it's a very sort of hands-on relatable book for women who not only are in their twenties, but also maybe getting divorced in their forties and sort of gave up a lot to get married, have children and, and go sort of a more traditional route. Some of them being attorneys, you know, doctors, um, executive, uh, you know, successful executives. Um, I have a lot of friends that, you know, gave up a lot to, to take that path and, and are now sort of trying to find themselves again in their mid forties. It's a very bizarre um, experience to sort of reinvent yourself at that age. So at my age. No, no, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> age is one of those things where, you know, men play down age all the time. You know, you, women talk about age in a completely different way mo a lot of the time. And we find that I hear people talk about age and whereas guys are like this sort of, it almost becomes a badge of honor. It, it, and I, and I, it's, it's funny when I often times I hear women talk about age, they sort of like it's they're being judged maybe by their peers, maybe by society, maybe by all of it, right? But it's uh, you know, even the fact perhaps your boyfriend Eric. I mean, I imagine he's probably younger than you, right? So a lot, you know, a lot, right? Because I, I mean, I know the age of our trainers at, at the dog pound and what have you, and you just you've mentioned your age a couple of times. You know, is that something when you're in the public, you, you don't care? That's something that a man would do in a heartbeat. Have a girlfriend that was younger than him. Why should it make any difference the other way around? I mean, we can say that over and over again, but we all know that it makes a difference. Um, it's it's just different um, for us. Um, I even think for Eric, it, it was different. You know, I think being a younger man with an older woman. I mean, I, I sat down with Maria Shriver to talk about it. I mean, that's how twisted um, we still are in 2021. But it's, it's, it's a thing. And I've never sort of walked the path of, um, of most and I bucked the system and, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But again, if you don't follow your heart and, and live in the moment, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'd rather have the time that I've had with Eric, for example, mm. and live and be totally happy than sort of set myself up to find something that I don't even know is right for me because someone else sort of set this, you know, these rules of what works. Men don't care. Men are like, listen, I'm fucking 65 and I still look good. I got a bag full of cash and this 28 year old's interested in me. God damn it. I'm going to take her out. And that's just the nature of the beast. Um, it's not the same for us. It's, you know, it's definitely a, a different experience. Is it, is that, does it relate at all to your, the chapter in your book, fight like a fight, like a girl? 
Kind of. I mean, you know, that chapter is really more about embracing sort of your femininity, which I talked about a little bit earlier, like when you're walking into a room and owning it. There's, you know, I can talk tough. That comes very naturally to me because I grew up with a contractor for a dad who was, you know, every other word was a curse word. And now he looks at me and he's like, Tracy, can you please make an effort (laughs) to not use the F word twice? during our conversation, but I, you know, it's the nature of how I grew up. It's who I am and I'm not going to apologize for it, but there is a place for using your femininity to, you know, gain power. And I don't think that a lot of people understand that. So when I say fight like a girl, it sometimes is using your feminine woes to sort of flip the script on somebody. And, and I think it's worked for me very successfully and men get very taken aback when you use that kind of feminine power to sort of flip the script on them. Can you give us an example? Um, yeah, I was in the book. I talk about this one particular example where I was sitting in a, in a very egocentric room with two men. One was a massive developer who had about 500 million in Malibu real estate. And it was actually, it actually aired on the show a couple of seasons ago and the other guy was an Israeli developer that was in LA um, who was looking f- to pick up a big portfolio of properties and develop them on his own. And I'm sitting in between the two of them. And it was like blow for blow, like an ego conversation between the two. It's like they were volleying back and forth, like who had the bigger balls. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. And I, I found myself getting irritated because I couldn't get a word in edgewise and they weren't going anywhere with the negotiation. Um, and it was a lot of money on the line. And so I chimed in and I said, can we just kind of get down to business and start talking about the nature of this portfolio and what you're actually trying to do? Because it sounds like you're interested in A, B, and C. And, my, and, and he looked at me and... <laughs> interrupted me and said, you seem a little off. Like you're a little cranky. Like you're not having a good time. Are you on your period or something? Wow. And at the moment I was so taken aback that he had said that, that I didn't have like the wherewithal or the understanding of like how this does not compute sort of moment. Um, and I took, I took a beat I was clearly flustered and I went to the bathroom and I gathered my thoughts and I was sitting across a colleague, another female colleague of mine who just 28 kept her mouth totally shut and was horrified. And I came back downstairs and I think she was scared as to how I was going to respond. I think she thought that I might lose my temper and I might blow the deal or whatever. And I sat back down and I sort of remained quiet and I crossed my legs and acted like a lady and uh, I finally just looked at him and he said, are, are, are you going to forgive me? And I said, it's absolutely fine. You are completely inappropriate. But if you ever speak to me like that way again, this deal and this conversation is over. But let's move on. And I think he was just, it wasn't like a don't ever fucking talk to me, like, you know, argument. It was sort of like a a very sort of feminine, like soft-spoken look you square in the eye. I barely moved. I just turned and I looked at him and said, you know, basically you speak to me that way again and the conversation and the meeting is over. And my developer, who was my client, almost shit his pants because it, it really did scare the guy more than if I would have been like, you're an ass or uh, sort of attack back, if you will. And, and I realized in that moment that the power of being female, when we trust our intuition and we trust our gut a little bit more, um, I think we have that in spades over men, generally speaking. We just don't ever use it. Like there's always that like little voice that's like, sitting on the date with you. And you're like, hmm, this one is scary and trashy and I can't believe he just said that to me but you sit there and you shake your head and you drink your wine and you cut your meal and and you call it a night um rather than sort of speaking up and and sort of using that voice um and I've learned how to use it and it's been a lot of fun (laughs) 
I can only imagine. By the way, yeah, I mean, it, look, I mean, the fact that you were just remained calm in that moment too, and the guy was clearly being a jackass. You know what I mean? Was just I didn't like not initially, and that's sort of the part of it that was like the learning moment for me. Like I was dying and sweating on the inside, oh. and when I got into the car, I totally sobbed. But I. I went to the bathroom, I paced, I was sweating, I was so upset, but I just, I had to, in that moment, say something to defend myself, rather than going back and sending some lame email, or talking about it with someone else to share my hurt feelings, it was like, no, speak up for yourself, and, and, like a like a guy would like if you're in a boardroom and someone challenges you, you're not going to sit there and take it, you're going to turn to them, and you're going to say, I don't appreciate the way you're talking to me. Yeah. And down, bro. <laughs> Just like that. You know, investing can be confusing for most, especially when it comes to cryptocurrency. And it's always been hard for me to know where to start. Well, on public.com, you can start small with slices of shares while you invest in what you believe with any amount and you can learn how to invest in popular cryptocurrencies with ease. Since joining Public, I've been able to learn more about stocks, EFTs, and crypto, and I'm surrounded by a community that makes investing less intimidating. I'm already feeling much more confident knowing that I'm never investing alone. You can choose from thousands of stocks and ETFs, along with 10 popular cryptocurrencies, and get exclusive access to a growing community full of fellow investors. Public.com allows anyone to invest with confidence and safely with volatility reminders that let you know investments like crypto are a little riskier. Start investing with as little as $1 and get a free slice of stock up to $50 when you join public.com today. Visit public.com slash shaken to download the app and sign up. That's public.com slash shaken. Valid for US residents 18 and older. Subject to account approval, see public.com slash disclosures, not investment advice. Um, you know, I want to change um, tack a little bit here and get down to a little bit about so you know the, the secret to what you, uh, whether there is a secret or not. But he's basically sorry, he's shitting himself. He had a bunch of really hard ass questions for you, and exactly. he's literally he's literally just gone to Plan B. I know him very well, Tracy. He's going to Plan B. He had some seriously hard ass questions. He is literally going to Plan B. Plan B, Nigel, take it away. Tom, I think you might be having your period. Just sit down and shut up. All right. Um, <laughs> um, joking aside, um, look, selling apartments, especially really, uh, and, and real estate in general, forget just apartments, obviously it's mega real estate is, is no joke. You know, and, and I've, you know, we, I've watched the shows, you see people do it. Do you have a secret to how you approach this, you know, and is there something you've developed as the, you say you're shaking your head, no, I guess is so each thing is different. You don't, there's no real, kind of trick to, to it? Yeah, I mean, the truth is every client is different and demands, um, you know, different things from you. And I think it's about connecting. And it's also about recognizing when you shouldn't work with someone. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a room with someone, you're like, I want to take this person on, or I really believe in this person. And there's like a, a, a connection that makes sense. And that you're like, it, it may be tough, but I think that we can work through this. And then there's always those moments where you see dollar signs and you know that that gut is that gut piece is saying, don't work with this person. It's going to take you down. And sometimes you make the mistake of saying the paycheck is potentially too big. Um, and I've made that mistake many a times. And now I analyze it. My I just sit at the place in my life now, you know, in my mid 40s where I don't have time for assholes, you know. Um if you're respectful, um, make your point. We all have, um, I'm gonna make mistakes, they're gonna make mistakes, but we can navigate that. Uh, I cannot tolerate people who are egomaniacs, who have no desire to, to play as a team or work together to like solve something. Um, and you know, to me, the paycheck just isn't worth it. 
No, I, 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 can, I can imagine that. I mean, it's funny because my, you know, literally the, the next question I've written down over here, because I was looking through what you've been doing in your career. And I was just was very fascinated with, you know, the, the, the sort of the approach, but I literally like, do you have to customize your sale approach depending on the buyer, right? And that's exactly what you just said, you, you do. I mean, you must have come across some strange characters in your time, you know, in these sort of instances. My sister-in-law has recently, um, I guess, taken the exam to become a realtor and, and she's, you know, busily doing it, just sold her first property. So she's, you know, yeah, you know, so very early on and, and, you know, super excited about doing it and what have you. But she's, there's a legitimate fear, she said sometimes to, to being in an apartment by herself with say a, a, a male, um, you know, buyer and that she's, you know, she's that the way that they're trained that she's never there by herself. She's always there with someone. So, you know, that's how they do it is, is that something that's legitimate? Absolutely. I mean, I pre I think most often when I have to meet and because of the show, I mean, when I tell you the crazies, I need like a taxi cab confessions for the people that I talk to on the phone. But um, they're nuts. There's some really nutty people out there and particularly being a woman um, in the business um, trying to make it. You want to take every call. You want to show every piece of property. Um, you know, I've learned how to, you know, hold myself and have a stance that's intimidating enough to someone I don't know. Um, but if I'm really uncomfortable, I will bring someone with me. More often than not, I can handle it. I, I wouldn't fuck with me. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's it too, right? You you feel you, you feel strong enough, empowered enough. You know what you, you're very confident in who you are. I mean, it's and I guess too, it depends on types of properties you're showing and, and in what kind of neighborhood and Absolutely. all the rest of it to, to, to all of those out there. Um, I mean, what is your what are, what are your sort of parting words of advice, probably either to your kids, but even to women in general who are entering this sort of business as as far as you know the first steps to take in, in sort of again, becoming successful in general? There are no shortcuts. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's one thing that this gener this new generation and, and particularly some kids in their early 20s, I think because of social media and technology and the ability to make easy money, you know, by being on Instagram or, or silly things like that. Um, there's a, a sense of... Um, they think they're owed something and I couldn't find the word, but I know what it, um, and that's something that is in, in real life and in business, there are no shortcuts. You have to work your ass off. You have to know what you're doing and you might be handled and tossed a deal here or there, or have an opportunity to get in the room with, because of someone, you know, but that doesn't mean that when you arrive in that room, you don't have to know what you're doing. So, you know, my advice is, is do the work. Um, you know, because the rest of the co the confidence piece will come. Um, but, you know, you show up confident with nothing to show for it. And it's going to be a fast track to to not being successful and on a road to a career that is going to be lasting. For sure. For sure. What 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 have you got, you know, as far as like, what, what are you aiming for? What, what, what are you where are you hoping to, to sort of to go in this business at this point? I mean, you've got you've done a lot already first female cast member on this show you've got your book out you know you're very successful you know you're doing your thing right now but what do you have an end game i mean the truth is it's not much different than what i said at the beginning i would like to end up on a beach somewhere and not work as hard as i do in the next 10 years i but i'm realistic and the truth is i probably have about 10 more years of pushing um myself to areas that i haven't ever pushed before i not, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but I, I just don't believe in people who strive to be mediocre. I like to push the boundaries. You know, you can be incredibly successful, but the people that I admire most, I was so proud of, of Josh Altman when he announced in October that he had a billion in sales this year. Um, you know, I'm not saying I need that. I'm not driven necessarily monetarily. But I just want to challenge myself to continue to push into different arenas and, you know, see where I can go with it. And hopefully, praise God, in the next 10 years, I won't have to work as hard as I do right now. My girls will be off to college. I can pay for it and be good there and, and, and enjoy my life. You know, are you worried he's going to spin off a show called Billion Dollar Listing? Is that, is that possible? <laughs> yeah, he might. 
he loves <laughs> a spin-off. I know. My God, my goodness me, that is a lot of money. Um, incredible. Look, it's such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for, for joining us in talking about your new book, Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word. Um, it, it, that's available everywhere, I'm assuming. All yes. book, good bookshops, Amazon, everything Absolutely. else. Um, obviously, Million Dollar Listing LA is on Bravo. Um, what do you have anything else coming out that's that we should we can we can we should know about that's that's new? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's about all I can manage for 2021, but um, I'm excited about the wine. Um, you can go to unsweetwine.com to find it uh, if you live in California, and again. Um, hopefully we'll be in um, national in the next two weeks, which is a really thrilling moment for us. And um, outside of that, again, I, I'm just, you know, I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing and I'm just embracing it day by day. We have one last thing. It's called Last Orders on the show. And it's a simple little, um, a few questions. Tom, you have, you got one on the top? Yeah, is yeah, I got one on the top. Game? It's a drinking one game. First one. Um, your ultimate, what is your ultimate deal? The one that I've been trying to negotiate for the last four years, which is a land deal in Malibu um, for a piece of dirt for $31 million that I'm about hopefully five hours away from signing. Wow. There we go. There we go. Amazing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you would have the ultimate dinner party, and you can invite three guests, and they could be anybody, dead or alive, and they can't Apart be either of um, Who would they be and why? Oprah, Bob Marley, and Jim Morrison. Dude. Isn't that weird? No. Jagger. I like Mick. Let's Mick. replace Jim with Mick. Okay, there you go. I like that. That's a great, it's a good combo. Actually, I'd yeah. want to have that dinner that make, too. That will make for a political debate, yeah. Jack and Bob Martin over Winfrey. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? That'll be an opinionated dinner. Wow. Wow. There we go. Be very amusing. Um, I don't have a no, but no, sorry, my my next quick five question. Partnerships, solo or partnerships in your game. What you know, success is is success in in partnerships or is it solo? I think it's complicated. Uh, I think you have to be a team player in order to be successful as a team. Um, in my, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about a team. I couldn't do this by myself. If I didn't have the people around me that I do, I'd be a disaster. All right. Tracy, if you could do anything else in the world as successfully as you're doing this right now, what else, what would it be? A hundred percent. I'd want to be in a musical on Broadway. Oh, wow. Straight up, straight up. There we go. That was quick. It's very specific. Like, million Dollar Listing, the musical. I can see it. If, if Erica Jane can do it and like basically be like canceled altogether. I mean, I can, right? Hell yeah. There we go. <laughs> final, final question. Shaken or stirred? Shaken, baby. Always. Always. How much fun are you? Really great to meet you. Great to have Me you too. on. Uh, Tracy Tutor, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Shaken and Stirred show. We love Thanks, you. We'll guys. see you next week. All the best. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken and Stirred. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.